0: Hello guys, and welcome to this week's episode. I am so excited. I have Michelle Reitinger here today. She is amazing. We connected on Instagram and I reached out and I said, I need to have you come on here and share your story of living with bipolar and the solutions that you found along the way. And what's really cool about her and her story is she has over 22 years experience living with bipolar, and she actually turned that that living with bipolar and having the obstacles and struggles to be able to help other moms with it, to be able to help them live productive and healthy lives while managing and tapping into the solutions that she has found. So I'm super excited to have her here and just get into this conversation and really see what her journey has been like. So we can bring more of these solutions to the table for you guys. So Michelle, thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm so excited to be here. I've been following you on socials for a while. And I was so excited when you invited me onto your podcast because I love your podcast. I love your message. So thanks for having me. Yes,
0: (laughs) of course. And I also love your message as well. Like the upside of down. It's just so so interesting. And just seeing you share different things, especially getting into journaling and different aspects of gratitude and little things that you can kind of tap into. So I'd love to hear like, what has your experience been like with bipolar, like from the start, let's, let's just hear it.
1: Yeah. So, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder one month before I graduated from college. I, and it's funny since then I've had doctors like tell me that they were amazed that I didn't have a breakdown. You know, I was like primed for a breakdown at that time. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was something wrong for a couple of years prior to my diagnosis, but I believed it was just like that I was just needed to work harder. you know I was reading all kinds of self-help books and you know I just thought if I can just ex- exercise more self-discipline or you know I just thought it was moral flaws on my part that were mm-hmm. that were causing these problems. and but the last the last year was really bad. you know i was I was having really dramatic mood mood swings. Um, I would get manic and stay up for days you know i wouldn't sleep i would be you know and and i was in my last year of school i was in these like graduate level classes and so i they were all dependent like on one test or one paper and i would be depressed and not go to class or anything for like weeks and then i'd get manic and do it all in like 3 days and i was on the dean's list <laughs> so like wow. if you looked at it from the outside you know from the outside on paper i was doing great but i was really close to having a breakdown and um thankfully My parents were really aware that there was something wrong, but they were in another state, but I had an aunt and uncle that lived near me and they could see something was wrong. I worked for my uncle for a little while and he could see the mood swings and they are the ones who kept talking to me about it. And I finally agreed to go. And I remember when I got diagnosed, I had very mixed feelings. I remember on the one hand feeling total relief that there was actually something to explain what was going on, that it wasn't my fault necessarily. But on the other hand, I remember very clearly thinking I'm broken. Nobody's going to want me. Like I, I wasn't dating anybody at the time. And I thought no one's going to want me now, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I struggled for several years with accepting my disorder. Like I, I would go through periods of rebellion against it, feeling really angry about it. And, um, and I, I didn't do well with medication. And so you know, I, I had a really hard time. A lot of them had really bad. I had really bad side effects with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and the ones that did work, I could never get on therapeutic dosages of them. And so I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so for the first 10 years, I refused to go to counseling because I thought I don't need somebody to tell me how to think that's the way I thought about counseling. And, um, and I was just, I would faithfully go to my, my doctor's appointments and take the medication, but nothing was working. And 10 years after my diagnosis, I had a big time breakdown and I ended up hospitalized in three different hospitals in two different States. Um, I had electroconvulsive convulsive therapy done on me, um, that wiped out most of my memory of that year. <laughs> wow. So I, I, and, it, and I made, I don't know if you need trigger warnings, but I made two attempts that year as well. Mm. And so, but that was, that year was kind of a turning point for me though, because, um, I actually wrote a blog post about this, about my experience with, with, um, suicide and suicidal ideation, because I think that it's a really common symptom of our disorder mm-hmm. is those really negative intrusive thoughts that, you know, tell you, you know, it would be so much easier just to end this, or you you know, if you're married, your spouse would be better off if they could find somebody else. You know, for me, it was my children, like my children were better if they could, you know, have a different mom. And I really believed it. Like I believed that those things were true and I let them sit with me for so long that I, I completely bought into it. And, but after my third hospitalization and after the second attempt, I was watching my, I have such a clear memory of this day. I was sitting, watching my children playing. My, my daughter was four and my son was two. And I had a really clear thought come into my head. If you succeed, it's going to ruin her life. She will blame herself and it will ruin her life. And I remember being shocked by that thought because I had completely bought into those negative thoughts. I really thoroughly believed them. And it had never occurred to me that it would hurt my child. And as soon as I realized that I was going to hurt her, I thought, okay, I can never let that happen again. Like I, and that was, a, that was the turning point. Like that was my, my point where I thought that I had been trying as hard as I could before, but now I have like a really, a really big reason because my kids mattered to me more than my own life and. And I, I wasn't going to do anything to hurt my daughter. And so from that point on, you know, at the beginning, I didn't believe I had much hope to do anything other than just survive my life. But I thought if that's all I can do, I will do it for my daughter because I don't want to hurt her. I thought maybe she can survive her childhood and then get lots of therapy later on to get fixed for what I'm doing. But but I didn't want to hurt her. And and then two years later was when we, my doctor and I finally figured out the supplements that I needed to get my brain balanced. And from that point forward was, was the path to wellness for me. That was when I started like little by little finding the tools that were necessary and putting them all together and figuring out how they worked for me. And then, and so now I, like, I, I still have bipolar disorder. I just came out of a two month, you know, depressive episode, but my depressive episodes don't look the same anymore. Like it's, I just feel kind of depressed. Um, but I still, I still shower every day. I still get out of bed. I still, you know, feed my family. You know, I'm able to function. And I also know this isn't going to last forever. You know, I have, I have developed coping, healthy coping mechanisms, healthy, mm-hmm. healthy coping strategies that help me manage those more effectively. And I only have about one depressive episode a year now. Um, and, and so it's, you know, it's, it's about learning how to, how to manage the disorder in a healthy way. Um, and, and recognize that the goal shouldn't be suffering well with it. Like we don't have to suffer well with this disorder. You can live a healthy, balanced, productive life with it. Um, but it's just about understanding the tools and how they work together and figuring out how they work for you. You know, I, mm. um, sorry, I'm just going on and do what, if you no, want to, and you can.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love it. So, cause I remember I saw that the posts you put up, what you're talking about, when you, when you remember having that breakthrough moment of realizing of all the thoughts that have been stacking on that you believe, because it's really true when you think about the, the way that you used to to think and see the world and like have that through this lens of you have to suffer well, or not even like getting to the well part, you know, just, and then also mentioning how the, how you're, when you have the depression, it's so different because hearing you, just hearing you share that and get into that, that also reminds me a lot of the similar situations that I've I've also had. And just hearing you kind of share the one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was when you brought up acceptance, because it's kind of like a pattern I see in talking to other people also who've had a diagnosis with bipolar is in the beginning with the mixed feelings when getting the diagnosis of thinking, okay, you know, this is probably a good thing because now at least I know what this is. And, but then like no one's gonna want me. Like you said, yeah. being single at the time and then being like in college and having that experience of you know having the depression and then the manic side and then getting all the stuff done really re- resonates with me because that was kind of s- same experience for, on my end as well but I love how you talk about when you had that moment and then getting into doing the work because a lot of the challenges, a lot of it is working through it, whether it be with therapy, with the medications, with the, you know, when you get this, it's like a label and the stigma of like, do I tell people, should I talk about it? When's like the right time? But just hearing you getting into like over those 10 years, of having that period. So getting the diagnosis and then the 10 years after of going through the hospitalizations and then and then the attempts as well and then getting into and then being able to speak about that, I feel like is also almost a solution in and it of itself is sharing that and then also getting into the ways that it impacted you and talking about what it was like in, in those times. So when you talk about the coping mechanisms, I love how you mentioned that. So when you say healthy, I love to learn what, what did the coping used to look like for you and what does it look like now?
1: Yeah. So my, my number one, like drug of choice, I should say, and mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't mean that in a Flippant way because I know that there are some people. I was a competitive athlete in high school, and so I feel really grateful because of that. I I never allowed myself to drink or do drugs, and I I don't pass any judgment on people that 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 became their coping mechanism because I know people that have, and I totally empathize with that. I I I understand going to that, but the way that I self anesthetized was binge watching shows and movies and things like that. So Mm -hmm. when I was in college. I actually damaged relationships because I would I would disappear for days and just watch movies on repeat or you know watch television shows and and even for like as recently as 3 years ago um so the the only thing that causes mania for me now is moving <laughs> but unfortunately we've lived in six different States. Like we've moved six times Oh wow! and every time we move, it's funny. I told my husband once, I said, I kind of want to move again to see if I can prevent that from happening, but I don't really want to move again. (laughs) But, but I, I would get manic in the moving process and then crash really bad afterwards. And I would binge watch shows like, and I'm talking about like, one time I binge watched all at the time. It was like, I think 19 seasons of law and order SVU, Oh my! (laughs) you know, I binge watched the entire office on one of the moves, you know, like all 10 seasons of it. Like it's not a little bit of TV. It's like, I, I just disappear into the show. I am barely functioning. My kids are eating frozen stuff. Like that was how I coped and it's not healthy. It's super self-destructive. Um, and, and it was, you know, it's just. But it, the thing is, is that when you're that depressed, you you are trying to find a way to handle the depression, and and so. But now I so I developed this thing called the mental health emergency response plan for myself. It's an ER. I call it an ERP, but it's it's mm-hmm. the way that I manage the mood cycles because I realized I had to stop allowing them to happen to me, and I had to acknowledge they're going to happen. What am I gonna do when they happen? I'm not gonna wait around and be reactive. I'm going to be proactive and so I developed this mental health emergency response plan for myself that that identifies who's my team um and how do I identify when it's happening so like I call it my early early warning system you know how do i what are the the identi- the things that identify I'm either getting manic or depressed you know what are those symptoms that i that are unique to me that I can say this okay this is this is mania or this is depression. And then I have what I call um, like auxiliary mode. So auxiliary mode is identifying what are the things that absolutely have to be done and allowing myself to let go of everything else while I'm in, you know, cause mania, mania, it's trying to put on the brakes and, and keep myself from ramping up further. But the harder thing for me is kind managing the depression because depression, especially when you have children is, Like, it's not just you suffering, your children are suffering. Um, And so I identified, I came up with a way to identify what are the most important things that need to happen. I need to make sure my children eat. If, you know, during school, I need to make sure that they're getting where they need to go. Mm. Um, I have a much significantly pared down self-care routine so that I'm at least taking care of myself instead of allowing myself to just sleep you know, it's during that time. I also, my, my self-care changes because I normally run three or four times a week and I do yoga and stuff like that. But I've found that when I'm depressed, it's actually counterproductive to run for me. Mm. Um, because it takes so much energy to make myself go out on the run that I'm using more than I'm getting back. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned that when I, you know, it's better for me to go on a walk than to try and make myself run. Um, wow. So it's just developing like this recognition and it and it I have to refine it every time I use it. I think okay this would work better this way next time, you know. So I refine oh it gosh. constantly. But That's but so it's it's helped me manage those mood cycles much more effectively so it lessens the impact on myself and my family and it decreases the length of the time that it lasts because I'm not doing things that are contributing to the cycle and and I'm giving myself the space cuz the reason why we're so tired when we're depressed is it's like getting sick, you know, mm-hmm. and your body does need sleep, but you have to manage it in a way that your sleep is restorative and not not sucking more from you, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh yeah. my gosh. That is so amazing. Cause I feel like, not, like all of the stuff within the plan that you talk about is really kind of what comes up for me as the awareness piece, the awareness piece, because I feel like when, if you think back to when you were struggling the most, I always try to do this, you know, to remember, okay, like as best a picture as I can of the lack of awareness that you have. And then you're, and I love how you mentioned, like the plan is always changing. And also the part that you brought up of not trying to stop when you have the, the mania or depression, trying to stop it altogether. And, yeah. you know, cause I feel like sometimes when, people who might not know that much about bipolar see someone, you know, who is like stable or doing well, like they probably don't have it anymore, you know, like maybe you just have it for a little bit and then, you know, it goes away. But I love how you still mentioned like when you do have those moments is not as, as bad or severe as it was because you've identified the support system, the things that need to be done in the steps. And I also like how you t- talk about too, with having children, you know, going through it, that that's impacting them and not just your situation because now what are, what are they doing when they're seeing this? And then how are they? And then, and also kind of educating them about that as well. I really love that you kind of break that down and, and also kind of talk about the the early warning signs, because that's a, that's something that makes a lot of sense too, when like you're note and you literally, when you talk about moving, it's so funny. You you just said that. Cause I just moved, literally just moved like 4th of July weekend. And I noticed that in myself too, like, cause I, you know, you're, in the community that you're in you have your people or whatever and then now it's like even though it's like 30 minutes away or what you know whatever it is it's still a change and you know just like anyone else you know bipolar or not it's an, a new thing you know but again like realizing to have the plan in place to take care of yourself and have that self care even in, and then also recognizing what things are hurting you, like when you would do going on the runs and doing yoga, realizing that this is taking more out of me and, you know, realizing like what you have more, more of, because I feel like that's a really good thing. And then I also want to hear too, like the experiences that you've had helping other moms, like what that looks like, how you got into it and your favorite moments so far with it.
1: Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting. The, the first time that I ever wrote a blog post was actually like, it was right after I started my supplements. My mom was so amazed at how different I was. It was about three months into taking the supplements that it was like, I woke up one morning and I felt like I was awake for the first time in a decade. And, and I started like having my brain functioning more. In a more normal, healthy way, mm. and and my mom noticed a big difference. She's like, "You need to tell everybody about this." And so I wrote mm. what ended up being like on my blog. If you look at the my about me page, that's the original post that I wrote for. And I and I wrote that, and then I did <laughs> I didn't do anything <laughs> else. Like I wrote that, stuck it out into the ether, and didn't do anything else with it. But um, but back in the end of 2020, um, I about a year before that, I had had the thought, like, I should start a YouTube channel and just share what I've learned, you know? And, and then we had COVID happened and then we had a, a really bad tragedy happen in our family. And, um, I talked about it in a, the interview, but our, my stepson, my husband's son, um, took his life. He died by suicide in, in the middle of, in March of 2020. And it was so devastating for us that I couldn't even function for a while. And I learned a lot that, that year, I, I learned a ton. And so by the end of that year, when I was finally in a stable, healthy place again, um, I, I felt almost compelled to try and help other people because I thought, I, I, I wish somebody could have told me these things and taught me these things when I was younger and given me hope because it's a very isolating, especially as a mom. I think it's isolating for everybody, but as a mother, motherhood can tend to be isolating anyway. And when you add bipolar disorder, it's really isolating. Like I, I remember feeling so alone and so hopeless, So you know, so, so often. And, um, and so I just wanted to, I wanted to shorten the learning curve for moms. I wanted to give them hope and help them learn how to, how to have healthy lives so that they could not just be there for themselves, but there for their children. Mm -hmm. And when I first started my blog, I, would write my blog post to my younger self. That's how I approached it. Like I would, I would write them as if I was writing to my younger self. And that's how I imagined my audience. Like I imagined them as me when I was younger and it was actually super cathartic. And I remember thinking like, if nothing else comes out of this, but the healing that I'm experiencing, I'm grateful for this experience because I held a lot of shame and a lot of pain from what I felt like was, I had, I felt like I had damaged my children when they were younger and, and I felt a lot of guilt. And as I wrote those blog posts to my younger self, I, it was super healing for me. And I started to have a lot of compassion for myself and a lot of compassion for how hard I was trying and that the mistakes that I made with my children were honest mistakes. You know, I wasn't trying to hurt my kids. I loved my children. Um, and so I feel like, and it's not like The things that I share are unique to motherhood, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to speak to that audience because I felt like I, I understood some of the unique challenges that they were facing, you know, as, as moms, you know, being responsible for your children and feeling like you're failing at it constantly. And, you know, and I wanted to give them hope. I, it's been amazing because like my oldest daughter is, just graduated from high school and I was started to cry at her graduation, just being grateful that I was there. You know, she's the reason that I'm here literally. And, and I'm so grateful that I didn't give up. I'm grateful that I made that choice to keep trying. And one of the, one of the things I do on my social media sometimes is choose your hard because it's not, it's not easy learning how to live well. Like it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of work but your life is already hard. And, and if you choose the hard that leads to wellness, it gets easier. You know, it's, it, it's not, my life is so much easier now. I still have to work every day at it. I still have to do, you know, self-care and everything, but, but it does get better. Like it's, it's not, you know, it feels like an extreme amount of, you know, effort at the beginning as you're learning the tools, but it gets easier and it's so much better and your life can be super full and rich. And I'm yeah. like every milestone we have now, I'm so grateful that I'm here for it. I'm so grateful that I didn't give up because this life is absolutely worth living, you know? And yeah, and I'm, and I, and I actually wouldn't I wouldn't go back if I could. If somebody, you know, I had somebody ask me one time, like, "Would would you have that taken away?" And I said, "No. I, I'm grateful that I have bipolar disorder. I feel like it's taught mm-hmm. me so much about myself. It's given me a ton of compassion, um, and I'm grateful for it. I, I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, but I absolutely mm-hmm. am now.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! And I I love how you just ha- have this completely changed mindset towards it with, with the gratefulness, because I feel like, you know, if you start with the acceptance piece and then you, you've worked on, you know, all of this, you know, for the past, even the 10 years that you had afterwards where you wouldn't have been in that same kind of a mindset, but being able to go back and also like have that compassion to peace for yourself and learn the grace for yourself instead of having that, letting that voice that's telling you that you've done this wrong, or it's not going to get better, or all of these different things that we, we hear and to change those things, I think is so it's just such a great gift to give to someone else because I love how you talk about speaking to your younger self because that's something that I wish that I had I had myself. And I know that everybody wishes that they, you know, you can go back to yourself when when you were, you know, picture this age that you were, you know, when you were maybe first hospitalized or whatever the experience was where you're like, wow, like I wish I could, you know, could have had someone that You know, was going through the same thing. Who could share things that work? Because I feel like everything that is being thrown my way is thrown my way isn't working. And part of that is, you know, the sense of losing hope and giving up. And it makes sense, right? When you're when you're trying to do all these things and it's just, you keep getting knocked down and you feel like, oh, like it's, it's hard to keep pulling yourself back up. But I love that you've been, you've done that, not just for yourself, but for your family. And I love how you always reflect back to that and, and anchor that in with your kids and this relationship and then being able to, to be there for these moments and and know that there's always going to be more of them ahead that we don't even recognize right now. You know, like things that are coming up in the future that you're going to get to be there and be in that form. So I really love that, and just hearing like the energy and the passion in your voice, like when you talk about starting these things and try and overcoming these really hard challenges of loss and change and things that are going on, and and still remembering and holding this close to you know do these little things and to have that compassion when it doesn't always goes go as planned. So I love it, and if you could give us one powerful solution that is part of your routine, that is your absolute favorite thing that you've discovered. What is that thing?
1: So there's two pieces to it. The first one is mindfulness meditation. Mm -hmm. Like that changed my life literally because with bipolar disorder, um, it can feel like your brain is attacking you constantly. And I didn't feel like I had any choice about it and learning how to practice mindfulness meditation. Helped me separate myself from my thoughts and gave me the space to be able to evaluate the thoughts that were coming into my mind and decide whether or not they belong there and whether or not they were true. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And the second is that mind that that um mental health emergency response plan, that that is so important to take to be able to accept responsibility for your mood cycle and to to have a plan and a way to manage it is really super empowering because you don't feel like a victim anymore. You feel like you are, you are in charge and, and you're learning more about yourself. You're accepting responsibility. So, and I have a free guide on my blog for anybody who wants to, to, to learn how to do that. I have a free guide that teaches you how to develop that for yourself. So they can absolutely, I always encourage people like, please do this because it'll help you accept responsibility for yourself. And it's super empowering.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. And the last thing is tell everyone where can they find you and connect more. I know you have Instagram. Tell us where those things are and I'll be sure to include it in the notes.
1: Sure. Yeah. I it's my upside of down is everything. So my upside of down on is my handle on Instagram and I have a page on Facebook. That's my upside of down. And then my blog is www.myupsideofdown.com.
0: Perfect. Yes. You guys heard it here from Michelle and go check her out. Her her content is amazing and you will definitely learn a lot and take away just as much as you took away from this episode. But before that, I want to thank all of you for being here and tuning in and just taking the time to check this out. It means the absolute world to me. And I want to also thank Michelle for being here. So say bye to you guys and bye to Michelle. So bye guys and bye Michelle. Thanks. Thanks. Before you go, I want to say thank you again for being here. And one of the ways that I love hearing from you guys is being able to hear the feedback you leave for me in Apple Podcast Reviews. So you can head over there if you haven't already and leave me a five-star review or however you want to share and write a review there. And I want to read one off for you that I have sitting in front of me right now. It says, tackling the big problems, five stars. Thank you for talking about the things that need to be talked about. After speaking with Paris, I was interested to learn about the experience of being bipolar. And so this episode, was enlightening to say the least. Thank you Paris for giving your audience the chance to learn about alternative perspectives and for being open about your experience. So thank you of Mice and Ben for leaving this review. And if you haven't already, you guys can head over there and leave one as well. And you know where to connect with me. If you don't, it's on Instagram at Master Your Mental, where you can find me there and check out more about me and my experiences. And I do have my memoir there as well called Crooked Illness, all about my experiences living with bipolar, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how I've been able to come across solutions that I'm sharing here in this podcast. So love you guys. See you next time. Bye.